Dawn of Mantis is brought to you by Redbeard Sound. Redbeard Sound provides music production, audio editing, and live sound engineering, and is where Dawn of Mantis records our podcast. You can find Sam's information on our website, dawnofmantis.com, or at redbeardsound.com. since the earth has circled the sun there have been fantastic tales of wonder and mystery that the faint of heart dare not discuss but two brave uninformed souls have the brass to tackle every extraordinary happenstance from the modern age to the dawn of mantis Welcome to Dawn of Mantis, a variety podcast. Here we are for another week of fantastic fun, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess that's pretty good. Uh, don't forget, you can find us online at dawnofmantis.com. Also on Twitter, we're on there a little bit. Uh, and now, Patreon, we have our Patreon going at full 100% um, straight ahead, What, however you'd say that, I don't know. It, it, it works, and we spent a lot of time the other night kind of revamping it, making it better, and we also are on Discord, so that kind of ties in with the tiers of Patreon, not the tiers sad, the happy tiers. <laughs> right. Our tiers are happy. Yes. So if you want to get in on one of those, even the cheapest one gets you in our Discord thread chat, and the one up from that, the next $5 one, that actually gets you in Discord voice so you can actually listen to us record this thing. And that is actually happening right now. That is right happening now right now. With uh, uh, a couple of our Patreon That's right. subscribers. Yep. Yep. Is that what you call them, or just patrons? Patrons. Patrons. I, I so, yeah. Okay, patrons. Yeah. So I don't think you're way off by calling them a subscriber. I mean, they kind of are. Sort of. Yeah. And then you can also go to our website, which is www.dawnofmantis.com. That's right. Yeah. There's lovely uh, information on there, on. a couple of pictures and things. We've got yeah. a lot going on. Yeah. So we're glad to have you, and, and, we, and we have... Uh, um, Carl has bumped up his from to the highest package, so w- we appreciate Carl. Yes, we love you, Carl. Yeah, Carl has been he, a faithful listener for a long time. Man. Yeah, and he gets a ten minutes minimum spot anytime he wants uh, to talk about anything. He he said he's going to start his own crypto podcast. Yes, and he was asking you know for advice, and I just basically encouraged him to do it. That's my only advice: just do it. Just you know? do it. I mean, I'm not Nike or anything, but <laughs> you should just start recording it. I mean, that's it's you know. Um, someone will like it somewhere and, and you're doing a service by if, you know, 10, 20, 30, 40 people like it. I mean, that's just a, something else that they can look forward to. And, and you're, you're an awesome person for doing that. Yeah. And that's, I read an article three years ago when we started this thing, like how to make a successful podcast. And basically it just said, be passionate about it, be consistent with your content and like you said, just just basically put it out there. Just do it. Yeah. Um. You just yep. you just have to do that. And I mean, you can tell. You can go back to our first episode, and uh, and you can hear the difference. You'll find your niche. You won't be the same person by episode one hundred as you were on the first one. That's right. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, you'll definitely find little different nuances and stuff throughout the the whole process that you kind of gravitate towards, as we have. Yeah. I mean, my God, this is a whole. We started this thing. <laughs> we started this podcast. In Ivan's shop, and we had to <laughs> abandon it because you could hear chickens. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, 
And so, I mean, that was like four years ago. That's yeah. where this started, man. Yeah, we're like, how, how are we going to ever be considered professional? It's like, yeah. in the background. <laughs> we were. We were trying to do like a... Uh, like a top 10 FBI breakdown or something. And first of all, we were both huddled around this one little microphone. Yeah. Remember? Yeah, it's like a campfire. Yes. We're just it was cold out there, too. Oh, my God. It was freaking cold as hell. Yeah. So we're shivering. You can hear teeth chattering. And we're around this little microphone. So when it would be your or my turn to speak, we would lean over to it, you know. And, and, then- I, and I hand raised those chickens. <laughs> so if I'm out there, if I, what, sadly, my neighbor's dog killed them, but... If I if I were ever out there, they wanted like me to come up and just hang out with them. Yeah. It was so weird. But anyway, so yeah. they they were in protest. Like, why is he in there talking to another man? Yeah, should <laughs> be talking to us. So about thirty minutes in, we were like, let's let's not do this. Is yeah, not, this is not working. Let's move. And so yeah, it it evolved into uh, and to now we are in the beautiful state of the art, streamlined, cutting edge. Redbeard Studio. That's Let's right. not get carried away. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a great place. Uh, you you heard the ad. It's hundred percent true. Um, hit him up if you want some work done because he'll do you right. Yes, I'm. That's about- what he should. He'll do you right. He'll do you right. That's what she said. <laughs> <laughs> My record stands. Did I say crypto when I said his? You did. Cryptid. Crypto. Oh, cryptid. Yes. Crypto. No, cryptocurrency. <laughs> He's doing a bit a Bitcoin. Project. Oh, this is Carl. This is all about Bitcoin. Um, Cryptid, Cryptid, yeah. Bigfoot. Bitcoin's doing great, by the way. Um, uh, it is. It's, uh, it it hit its sixty thousand, which that's the record just last week. But it's back down to fifty six now. It, there's some financial stuff for you guys. Um, yeah, Carl, uh, you get ten minutes anytime you want. So we you can uh, message me and let me know what you want to talk about, or you don't have to even have a topic. Hey, Carl, we want to talk to you for the first time. Uh, instead of just in chat and stuff, so yeah. So we have to let him say whatever for like. What if he gets on there for ten minutes and he's just like, Joe is a stupid backwoods redneck hillbilly dumbass well, idiot. That, I wouldn't edit that. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I'm inviting him. I was, I was hoping he was going to say, I'm like, "Man, somebody on. needs to really just tell Joe what we really think of him." Yeah, even if it costs me a pat- Patreon. <laughs> subscription i can tell you he won't but uh yeah for in the future if anyone were to do that yeah we'd definitely cut it out so within reason i guess we need a lawyer to write all those the <laughs> tiny byline maybe we should record one and and sam can speed it up to where it's real fast like, yeah like yeah. that's the little like you know subtitles right like they do after a commercial uh-huh. yeah when they let you know that whatever they just said was bullshit <laughs> And you're actually not going to get a good deal. It's good with you know. There's stipulations, and then we did yeah. and all that was like basically. If you talk about how Hitler was a good guy, it'll probably get cut. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's going to be a few things where like, eh. but Carl, start your cryptid podcast. Yeah, do a little research, man. Look, you can anybody can do a podcast anywhere, man. You could do it into your phone if you want to. They could be ten minute episodes. I mean, th- yeah. There's a ton of podcasts where 10, 15 minutes. That's about it, and they've. They get a lot of subs and plays, so there you go. It doesn't have to be. We don't. You don't have to go gung ho like we do and do hours. And I, and I promise you this: if he, if Carl, if you do get this thing off the ground, if you actually start it, we will support you with whatever little weight we have at the moment. But we sure. will, we will, we will promote you. We'll talk about your podcast. You know, whatever. whatever and every bad review you get, we will find those people and uh, <laughs> torture them. 
I no. will find you. Yeah. Find, you cannot give Carl a negative review. But that's another good... That's our Carl. That's another good point that we should make to him. If he does do that, um, just let the you know let the negative reviews kind of roll off. It's going to happen. Maybe don't read them. Yeah. I, I mean, read them. I read our reviews. Mostly they're positive. There's a few negative, but you know, it's going to happen, well, man. Yeah, you told me all the dad jokes. I couldn't get into it. Yeah. yeah. It's like, well, does well, one of your kids tell you a dad joke and you're like, hey, <laughs> you're grounded. No, that what's funny, the most negative comment about us is so spot on. I can't even disagree. It's just like, oh, they banter a lot and it's dad jokes. And I'm like, yeah, that's, yeah, that is it. That's pretty much I the whole like thing. As advertised, we've said that before. We, we, even, we even have that in the yeah, yeah. description. So. It's not like we try to hide it. Yeah. <laughs> We're not promising, you know. I think that's one of the first things I said to you guys is, um, if you don't like dad jokes and tea kettling, this is not the podcast for you. There you go. And maybe life isn't the thing for you. (laughs) You know, I I don't want, I don't want to, I don't want, I don't really want to crap on somebody's the way they live their life. But Joe and I were talking on the way over here and it's like some people and probably this guy, I'm sure he has hobbies and he does awesome stuff. But I get a sense that there are some people that they just have nothing. Like they just don't have that thing that they can unleash themselves they always want to keep their emotions in check they want to be like you know they they have the leonard nimoy poster on their wall which i love him by the way but i mean everything's <laughs> like logic and facts i mean i get that uh uh and what i mean i just mean like i didn't mean like life you should be dead that's what i, said. I know that's me and sam looked at each other like wow ivan's going right to the throat well right the i'm jugular. just saying like no i know if, what you if, mean. if you get frustrated at when someone else is having fun what's that say about you Right, you know, right. it's just a little bit of thing. Well, and you're also, you're, like what we were talking about on the right up here, I'm going to go back to my Elvis quote, guys. The three the three ingredients for a happy life, someone to love, something to do, and something to look forward to. That's right. That's I right. totally believe that. So if you're out there, uh, get your thing, like Ivan was talking about, get that thing, right? You know, for, for us three, we have a lot of irons in the fire, but one of them, a really big one, obviously, is this podcast. But we also have hobbies like ivan is a, a really avid toy collector sam does a whole bunch of stuff obviously um and i i do as well find your thing even if it's like frisbee golf uh take up krav maga um i don't know start uh gluing together little wooden ships inside bottles find something that's cool you know like a hobby or something to to like put your energy towards is what i'm trying yeah. to say yeah that's just something right yeah. yeah, life advice from the guy on the podcast that had the seven-second fart. That's really what I'm so qualified to give life advice. I think, I think you should put that on your resume. <laughs> you could somehow, like, you know, tape on a, a, maybe a little MP3 player where they could play it. Yeah. You know? It's like, you know, look at this guy's credentials. <laughs> <laughs> look, should we go to this guy with the fart, or this guy has the PhD in behavioral science? No, nah, let's go with... Is, isn't a job interview basically, especially if you're if you work with your employees, isn't isn't it really just like, you know, obviously you want to know if they're going to work, but two, is it somebody you want to hang out with? Yeah, that's basically. I mean, you're going to be there eight, ten hours a day. Do you want to hang out with that person? Right, right, right. I want to hang out with eight second fart guy, and I do. <laughs> but you know, I don't want to hang out with guy that's like that's the grossest thing. That's irreprehensible. Yeah. I don't know why that guy makes that noise. But. Sam, talk. What's up, bud? Yeah, we haven't talked to Sam. <laughs> I'm just looking at Sam over there. What's up, buddy? I was just trying to get all this Discord stuff figured out. Hey, um, put this over there by you guys, because okay. Lance says you guys cut, are cutting in and out, and you talk more than I do, so... Um, 
We'll see how that works. Yeah, Lance is listening to us on Discord. Yeah, um, I'm sure. Said that. Um, you know what I need to probably do? You want to put in your Wi Fi, and yes. that way, in that way, um, it'll probably be better. Okay, while you guys are doing that, I'm gonna tease a little bit of something that's coming up in the next couple months. Can I do okay. that? Uh, we, I, I hope we were gonna try to do this thing called Music May. Where throughout the month of May, all our episodes would be focused on different musicians and and uh, like that we're into and different things. Um, I don't. <laughs> one of the projects has really, really grown really big. Um, I've got all the research done for one or two of these episodes, and I think we're going to have James Dunham on to talk about uh, Kiss, like the whole history of Kiss, and it'll be interesting. Even if you're not into the bands, yeah, there's a lot of interest, interesting history behind them. Um, and so I am going to be, well, obviously all three of us, but my choice for my musician was Buddy Holly. And my God, has that really became an obsession and a total complete obsession. Everybody in my life is so sick of Buddy Holly because it's literally all I talk about and all I, you know, listen to, but dude, I'm, I've bought several books. I've watched documentaries. We're driving to Lubbock, uh, not too far from now to, uh, to go to the Buddy Holly Museum and then over to Clovis, New Mexico, where, uh, you know, he recorded most of those songs and it really blew up to, it's not one episode. Like I'm, I'm trying to rein it in. Like I could literally do probably like 12 one hour episodes on this guy. Wow. I swear well, to Jesus. But we're not going to, we're not well, going to, but, but there are podcasts do that. I mean, that's, yes. that's totally acceptable. I'm going to try to narrow it down to like two or three. You know what I mean, but uh, I yeah. think I mean, we, even, uh, even if we did have to carry it over to a Manny Manus or farther into yeah, June, exactly. Yeah. There's just man, there's so much. There's it's so it's so uninteresting. But anyway, well, like you up. said though, um, you would be it'd be hard to find an artist that came after him. Um, hard to find a big group of artists that wouldn't say that he was an influence or they didn't like him in some way. So I mean, it, so he's probably what I'm trying to say is there's probably someone that anyone out there loves that would they would say, oh, I was inspired by... Oh, dude, yes. So basically it does, like when you talk about someone that changed things in music, I mean, everyone uh, should be interested to some degree, right? Well, throughout, throughout the, this process of doing the research, I have found, well, I'm not exaggerating, maybe 15 or 20 musicians that directly said like, I do this because yeah. of Buddy Holly. Yeah. The first Rolling Stones song that they came out with was their cover of Not Fade Away, Buddy Holly yeah. song. The first song that the Beatles recorded was a Buddy Holly cover. The Beatles chose their name kind of as a, a, a homage to the crickets. Crickets, yeah. Yeah, and then put the beat in it. Yeah, um, there's yeah. just there's so, so many, so many. Uh, Bob Dylan was at one of those winter dance party shows one of the last ones that Buddy Holly played, and Bob Dylan has said that Buddy Holly was a huge influence. Yeah, see? Elvis Costello, obviously. I mean, you know, he even borrowed Buddy's look and stuff. It's like for the um, sports people, the coaching tree. So, you, so you'll get like a coach way back in the 30s or 40s, and then there's coaches that were his assistants, and they went to do other things and yeah. win championships with other programs. Say it's like the music tree. Yeah. You know, who, who, who you're inspired by. Yeah. Yeah, it, See, it, it's crazy. It's like I'm not an Elvis fan per se. I don't really like Elvis, but you got to respect them if you like the Beatles because Lennon said there wouldn't be the Beatles if there if there wasn't Elvis. They all had the Elvis haircut. Oh yeah, in the early days. Yeah, and they were huge fans. So 
So you couldn't be a huge Beatles fan and say, "Oh, Elvis sucks. I hate him." You well, know? yeah, you yeah, can't and, be like that. We can't, shouldn't be like that with music anyway. But no. you know, I, I, you just you got to understand that. Uh, of course, everyone understands this, but you know, your your artists come from somewhere. Well, you know, and, and I'm I'm a Elvis fan. It's very me different, too. though. I'm a very, so t- stop me if I'm wrong, Sam. But Elvis, and we're going to get to the part two of the Beaumont Children. But you know, guys, this is what we do. Elvis was obviously. You know, uh, along with Michael Jackson, Elvis was the greatest performer who probably sure. ever lived. Oh yeah, I can totally. He was so see that. incredibly charismatic. Mm-hmm. He was absolutely the most handsome man who has literally ever lived. I mean, uh, he he just is. And even a straight guy can look and say, "Jesus Christ, that's a handsome dude right there." Look how that guy's moving. Yes, look how he's moving. Elvis was phenomenal, but, but. He didn't write a single one right. of his own songs. Yeah. He didn't really play or contribute musically to the process, he, really. You know what? Buddy Holly. He was one of the, I think, biggest cover artists yes. ever. Oh, yeah. Yes. He, he just did, did a covers. lot of covers. Yeah. And made them more, probably, you know, a lot of them more famous than probably what they would have been. Yeah. No, yeah, um, for sure. But, you know, even his original songs, you're right, he didn't write. Right. Yeah. So, on the other hand, Buddy Holly. Uh, really, they started as the Crickets, so they were a band. He played guitar up front. He wrote all his own stuff. The band, within the band, him and the drummer actually wrote most of the stuff, and then Buddy wrote a lot of the stuff on his own. And it was very different because Elvis, obviously, was the whole show. He was out front. Yeah. Everybody was looking at him. The the uh, the other uh, the other musicians were in the back. Even when one would do the guitar solo or whatever, it's, no one cared. No, nobody. They didn't come out front no. to, yeah. With with Buddy Holly, it was just very very different, man. And if you want to see something that's totally rock and roll, and what many people think could have been like the little tiny seed that was planted that would later inspire people for punk rock, I got to shut up about this because we'll talk about Buddy it Holly was for four Marty hours. McFly at <laughs> Enchantment Under the Sea dance, wasn't it? Yeah. If I know my history correctly, the kids yeah. are gonna love it. No, go ahead. So Buddy, the the Crickets were set to be on Ed Sullivan. Okay. Ed Sullivan was kind of a douche. Yeah. It could be yeah. a real big douche. So well, I mean, yeah. I mean, going back to Elvis real quick, they they wouldn't show him from the waist down exactly. because of how he moved. Exactly. So. so this is so... Kids are watching this. This is so damn rock and roll. As the story goes, Buddy and Ed kind of got into it a little bit. Buddy wanted to play, uh, uh, which, oh boy. Uh-huh. Okay. Ed Sullivan thought it was too suggestive, and they kind of got into it, and no one told Buddy Holly... You know, like you, we'll tell we'll tell the stories on the episodes. But he got into it with producers back then in the fifties. Like you were just shiny and happy and just ready to get in, and you would do whatever. But Buddy Holly wasn't. They were like, you know, they would tell you what to do. These producers, and he was like, "My music doesn't sound like that. We're not doing it that way." You know, so he butted heads. Yeah, no, that's awesome because that's why that's why I like Neil Young so much. He's yes. been quoted several times. He's like, "I only cared about the music. I I broke up with bands and had all this." you know, conflict because I just cared about the music and they cared about something else. Yes. Uh, so it's like, you know, that you got to respect them for that. And that's exactly. awesome. Yeah, for sure. Well, so Buddy Holly and him get into it a little bit. And uh, so they go out to do the song and Ed Sullivan purposefully mis- mispronounces his name. He said, everybody welcome. And he says it, well, it, you got to look it up on YouTube with total disdain. He just comes out and goes, Welcome, Buddy Holland and his crickets. And then he just glares I, at him. I remember that. You remember that? Yeah, I remember seeing the clip. So before the That's performance, crazy. he told the sound guy, cut Buddy's guitar. 
cut yeah so when they start playing all you hear is bass and drums and buddy's voice and you can even see him like messing in between strokes going down to his volume knob like what the hell's going on so he figures it out that ed sullivan has just screwed him so they just basically they've played the song like four times faster and basically just punk rock it up and buddy like does this big scream and just like head bangs it's freaking badass that this was like 1957 or eight i have to know sam let's say you get a job at jimmy fallon behind the scenes doing sound and Fallon's mad at the guest or the artist and tells you to cut the guitar, like tells you to sabotage a performance. I mean, I know there's a lot of if, there's a lot of, you know, I don't know, there's just a lot of scenarios. I think to keep your job, you have to. Yeah, I know, isn't it? But, I'm, but what, my question, I mean, yeah, you're either like, that's well, not really my this question, is just though. one thing. Nobody knows it's me doing it. Like, <laughs> if I don't do what the boss yeah. tells me, I'm gonna get fired, right. and this is a good gig. Right. So, but I mean, know, like, do you feel like? Do you feel but like? You feel after, awful about it. Yeah, and, and do you feel like you're looking for another job after that? Like, just on, if you don't do it. No, what, I'm, what I mean is like, you do it. You you decide. I think you have to do it too because you're protecting like your livelihood and your family and all that stuff financially. Right. But do you feel like you're so mad that you're like, I can't work with these people that would do that to someone? You know. Man, I, I kind of feel know. like you'd have to start I, looking. Yeah, morally, yeah. Um, but when it's the biggest gig sure. in the industry, yeah, Ed you, Sullivan you, was it. Exactly. Show. Yeah, Ed, exactly. Yeah. Ed Sullivan was it. Yeah. Back so, in those like, days. you know, for that sound guy, he's like, I've got to do this. Sure. Because this is money. So, you know, that's the thing. Like, you do it. Yeah. Because the boss tells you to. And then, you know, even like Jimmy Fallon now, well, I haven't watched Fallon in a while because of. Of, you know, I don't know if they're back to how they're doing um, late night sure, right now. Yeah, yeah. But, but when, you know, pre-COVID, Jimmy Fallon, um, man, that's probably one of the biggest late night shows now. Yeah, right, so right. you're like, same thing. It's just like, you're man, not going to, you're only going to move is, down a little. You're not going to move up sure. from there. Yeah. yeah. No. Yeah. I mean, so like, yeah, it's like, uh, this sucks, but I got to do it. And then even afterwards, you're like, man, that that guy's a jerk. Yeah, you know, that's a jerk move. But this is this yeah. is bread and butter. So well, just watch anybody listening that's curious. Watch the performance because I've seen many. I've I've watched every. Gonna, yeah. Are you gonna play it? Uh, I mean, yeah, I can play it. We can hear it. They're not gonna be able to. But. Um, oh, it's okay. just imagine. I was just in part of that question is like, man, how do, my heart goes out to that guy. Yeah, He's put in just a crappy position. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I guess you could quit and go to the press about it, and I hope you make some money. Yeah, but write that, a book. Back in those days, Ed yeah. Sullivan was probably so powerful that sure no, he oh, could yeah. squash it. He could squash it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, no one would believe it. You know, right? It was it was uh, Ed Sullivan, and then who was his? Pre- it was pro- not predecessor, but uh, probably Johnny Carson was after him. Well, there's oh man, that's a good question. There's another guy, but I, I can't think of who was right before Carson. I forgot his name, but. It had to be really close. Yeah. 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 They almost overlapped. I know it was pretty close, but anyway. yeah. But yeah, it's just cool because you can tell Buddy's just frustrated. And uh, man, he almost saws that, de- he almost saws that guitar in half. It yeah. is just really cool. It's a really aggressive and really cool uh, move on their part. But anyway, I got to stop talking about that. Yeah. We'll talk about it. No, that's night. awesome. That's a good little tail right there. Yeah. For sure. That's awesome. Sam, should we get it, get on into it? Yeah. And, and from what it looks like, that wasn't the first time Buddy Holly was actually on Ed Sullivan. Was it this? I know he was on there a few times. He'd, was that not the first? No, hold on. I know he was on after that as well. Uh, it looks like he 
Did he do Peggy Sue or he, That'll Be the Day? I think he did all three. Or, so it looks like he did um, That'll Be the Day in 1957. Okay. And then, um, oh boy, was in 1958. Okay. You know what's crazy? I don't know crap about that show, but now you told me that story. And then there's also the story when when the Beatles played on there in the little parentheses under John Lennon that said, uh, girls, he, careful girls, he's married or something. The Beatles were, or John Lennon was pissed about that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that show might have been pretty shady. I mean, I only know two stories about it. And they're both <laughs> negative. And they're both negative. Isn't that crazy? Well, I mean... Yeah, I, I mean, mean if, you the, the, if you want to include the Elvis not being shown below the oh that the too waist, yeah I didn't you yeah know, kind yeah of thing too I think Elvis won Sullivan over eventually though yeah, I think so yeah because I think there was even a performance where it was either before or after where Ed Sullivan said uh, I just I want everyone to know Elvis is a fine young man he's right. a good boy and he's been nothing but cordial and nice to me backstage because back then rock and roll was scary you know because yeah. it came from it came from like the jazz and and it came from uh, from black music Hannah yeah. Hannah's on Discord and she just said Hi, that Hannah. the Doors had a bad encounter with him too really yeah. wow. Thank you, Hannah. Thanks, See, Hannah. did anyone have a good encounter? But like, you know, so people were scared of rock and roll and they thought it was just this fad. And uh, there's one, there's a Buddy Holly performance where the woman <laughs> beforehand, what did she say? She said, consensus, uh, consensus is he's basically an asshole. <laughs> Not my words. Rest, in, rest in peace. But, uh, you know, I'll stand behind him because she said it. So I, yeah. I agree with her. But uh, yeah, there was it was it was the worst way that the Buddy Holly could have been introduced. You yeah. know, back in the 50s, to be on TV, like even game shows and stuff, people wore like fancy ball gowns and pearls and right. stuff. Have I talked about this before on here? She's dressed up like that, and she's like, she's like, I want everyone to keep in mind that this rock and roll thing might not be so terrible. It's something to that effect. Oh, uh, okay, I got gotcha. And she said, uh, we, need to, we need to be uh, familiar with what the kids go for or else we won't understand them. So, mm-hmm. having said that, Buddy Holly and the Crickets, you know? Oh so she's God. basically like, oh, here they are, you know? Right. So weird, man. That was 1957 as well. But anyway. Yeah, you need to connect with the youth and, and see what all this stuff is about. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, I I used to Google kid rock lyrics so I could <laughs> stay hip. <laughs> ba did it, ba ba damn it. What does that mean? Yeah. No. No, but I see what she's getting at. It's like, it's not so bad. Come on in. Give it a listen. Yeah, just, let's, just try. Yeah. Yeah. And um, the crickets toured with all that. They, you know, they toured with Fats Domino and uh, L- Little Richard and mm-hmm. and all them. And some of the cities they went into, they wouldn't even let the the, the black performers and white performers on the same stage, Talk even though they'd a, been on the bus for six hours together and they were all friends. Yeah, yeah. Talk about a rock and roll pioneer right there. Also, Little Richard. Oh yeah. my oh, yeah. God, yeah. dude! Yeah. Little Richard was so. Do you want to talk about rock and roll debauchery? Yeah. Right in the fifties. I've read yeah. stories, dude. Yeah, even in the Buddy Holly book, I'm reading. There's a story of when they go in there and Little Richard and some other performer are like that ta- tag teaming this lady and and they don't even stop. Little Richard just looks over and goes, "Hey, Buddy Holly, have a seat. I'll be done in a while." You know, it's just crazy. They were wrestling with was- her. <laughs> yes, that's what they were doing. Oh, okay. But he didn't even care, you know. And then I'm gonna uh, jump off the top rope. <laughs> in a way, he did. But. uh... <laughs> All right, what's going on in Australia? Yeah, Australia. This is part two of the Beaumont children. We need to put a little tag at the bottom of this that says actual episode starts at whatever time this is. Now we're watching wrestling. Yeah, we're watching. Thank you, Lance. (laughs) (laughs) That's exactly what I was talking about. There's the video of it. That's a pretty good kick right there. 
But having said that, really, there were several times when Buddy Holly was like, if if they can't play, we can't play. Like oh, this dude. Oh, yeah, that's cool. I mean, that's way, you know, way ahead of the times. Buddy Holly uh, invited Little Richard to his parents' house to have dinner. This is a true story. His parents, this is the 50s in, in Texas, his dad was like, I'm not having a black person in my home. And Buddy said, if, if you don't let him over to have dinner with us, I will never talk to you again. Wow. That's how serious he was. Now, ladies and gentlemen listening, you little overprivileged Wokies, that is actually standing up for against racism. Not what you do, digging back 25 years and finding a clip of someone saying something and then crucifying them. You're not helping anybody. What he did was actually, you know, in the face of racism and doing something and, and fighting against it, okay? He didn't do that just so he could tweet about it later. No, the, yeah. These people now just do it because that's their social currency. It's like, yeah. ooh, who have you found lately or whatever? And the positive spin on that is I hope they're doing that because there's really not a ton of things. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So. If, yeah. Yeah, what theoretically. Are, what do we got from Australia? Dad? Ivan doesn't want to talk about that. <laughs> we're, um, going, we're going race and, and yeah. I don't want to... Cut that all out, Sam. No, you don't have to cut that out. <laughs> so, the Beaumont children, if you don't know what I'm talking about, listen to the first part, because I'm not going to do a recap, but the missing Beaumont children. Yeah, I agree. So, uh, you know, they're searching for them. Nobody has any clue. <laughs> so, what you do is you enter a psychic. You call a psychic. Hmm. Oh, yeah, you always do. Because they always know. I'm sensing they're in a wooded area. <laughs> With water. Um, I did see a lady on one of those shows. They're there in a wooded area near water. And the detective found her, the person in wooded area near water. And he was like, yeah, it was the psychic nailed it. It's like, okay, so let's put a dot on the map everywhere there's a wooded area near water. Uh, yeah, it's not yeah. that impressive. Woods and water are pretty common. Yeah, I mean, right back there, right yeah. behind. You can house. open the door to this studio and you can look out and see a stream and some woods. <laughs> I bet there's a dead body back there. Sam is there. <laughs> That's why he put in the pool. There's a body mm. under that thing. Very clever, my I friend. hope this is an Indian burial ground. You've seen poltergeists, yeah, right? Oh, no. Oh. Yeah. The pool, the, the skeletons are coming up out of the pool. But he's already got it finished now. They couldn't get through the concrete. I went to um, I went to Halloween Horror Nights at Universal. Oh, I think it's like, it'll be three years ago now, maybe. Um And the first house I went through was Poltergeist House. And when you entered in, you came in into the pool. Oh, that's cool. cool. Yeah. Man, that movie messed with me when I was a kid. I won't lie. That house will mess with you, too. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Universal does fantastic. They still have that? Yeah. Halloween Hornets, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Mm. Yeah. Anyway, after after several months of fruitless investigation, it was decided that it was time to utilize more unconventional means. This is when Dutch clairvoyant and self-proclaimed psychic healer Gerard Croisette was asked to consult on the case. Croisette came to Australia on November 8th, 1966, and his arrival caused a media frenzy. Croisette was also a parapsychologist, a psychometrist, which is one supposedly uh, that has the ability to read an unknown object and gain relevant psychic information from it. Like if you gave him the... the coat of a missing person oh yeah he could connect with it's him like a, it has a, a a spirit bound to it yes that makes sense almost like a bloodhound but but nothing scientific yeah like <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah basically from what i could tell most of his reputation had been built upon just a few occasions when his information had actually helped investigators close a case this guy was on a few times 
One was shortly after World War II when Croisette examined an item that had belonged to a murdered woman, after which he named not only the location of her body, but the identity of her killer. Oh, that's a lot better than the Woods thing. It is a lot better. I don't wow. know. I don't know how he did that, honestly. Yeah. I'm on, impressed. On the heels of this, Croisette had become quite well known as a clairvoyant and had been consulted on many cases in several different countries. Barry Blackwell, a local businessman and family friend of the Beaumonts, helped Croisette by recording some film of the coastline where the children had last been seen. After viewing this, Croisette drew up a detailed plan of the children's last walk. He announced that Beaumont that the Beaumont kids had not been abducted or had met foul play, but instead they had been accidentally buried or trapped somewhere in or around the beach. Hmm. Following this information, hundreds flocked to Glen Elg Beach to search for any evidence of this, and hundreds more contacted police to notify them of various caves and hollows located in that area. Buried, like, I mean, I wonder if they thought, like, buried themselves as the thing people do on the beach, and then on low tide. <laughs> You know, I'm not, yeah, you're laughing. I'm not joking about that because it's really morbid, but, you know, I was kind of laughing inside when I said it. But, you know, seriously, I just wonder if people thought that. Maybe. It was like a trick gone wrong. You bury yourself on the beach and then the tide comes in. And- but they all would have to bury themselves, though. There would have to be, you know, I don't know. I mean, so somebody would have had to bury them. True. Maybe that old guy we were talking about earlier. Ooh, that creepy bastard. Yeah. I don't think, I don't think he did it. Well, Croisette then further claimed he had experienced a vision of the children walking past a barrier and a warning sign, then crawling through a hole before being covered by sand or water. Oh, okay. So that's not really what he was saying. No, but, you know, you know, maybe he misinterpreted. So just like, yeah, kids will crawl down into stuff. Like yeah. Just to, you know, oh, there's a tunnel. Let's crawl down in there. They're like little dachshunds they are. They are. Yeah. <laughs> I've always said that. <laughs> kids are like dachshunds. <laughs> <laughs> Investigators did find a location roughly matching Croisette's vision, and beyond the barrier was indeed a large drain pipe leading into the ocean. And yes, the pipe was blocked as well. Whoa. Oh my God. It took the better part of a day to clear all the debris from the drain, but no sign of the children was found. It must be also noted that history shows Gerard Croisette had come to Australia at the behest of Barry Blackwell, and that Blackwell had paid his fare. However, this is only partly true. I found an interview with Blackwell in which he stated... The day after I arrived, <laughs> the day after he arrived, I read in the papers that I had offered to fly Croisette out of here, which I hadn't. But they said I did, so I went along with it. I went down to KLM, the Dutch airline, and paid his fare. That's good. Isn't that funny? He read in the papers that he that he had done it, so he was like, oh, "I better probably just do it," because you know, isn't that weird? Yeah, that is kind of strange. The voice was spot on, though. I thought no, that was thought good. It was terrible as there. Oh, no. For some reason, I kind of got that that was pretty good. Uh, maybe the Aussies will let us know. They, they probably will on They're some review. Sure, they will. Yeah, yeah. So at we least, don't read reviews. So just go ahead. At least backwoods Arkies to stop trying to do our accent. Yeah, I got nothing. <laughs> After the flub at Glen Elg Beach, Croisette was taken on a sort of tour of places that the children used to visit, and among them was a warehouse where the children would often play. Oh, yeah. It had just been renovated and had a freshly poured concrete floor. Oh. As Croisette walked across the floor, trailed by a slew of detectives, he promptly stopped, turned to face them, and declared, this is where the children are buried. Wow. He then held a press conference where, through his Dutch interpreter, he told the whole of Australia that the missing Beaumont children had been located. Oh. Okay. It's his 
it's open and shut, right? Open like and that. shut. Boom. Case. Yeah. I'm going home. They're right there. They're Bye. There. Bye. <laughs> That's it. However, the foundation of the warehouse had been thoroughly cleared before the new floor was poured, and both the building's owners and the Australian government declined to dig under the building. It was after this that Jim and Nancy Beaumont invited Croisette for a visit, where he also assured them that their children had not been purposefully harmed, but had been accidentally buried beneath the warehouse floor. As most parents would, Jim and Nancy thanked him, but politely disagreed, saying that they both strongly felt their kids were still alive and would never believe otherwise unless their bodies were found. Thank you, but we need some data and facts, please. You know, they're over there under that floor. You feel better? No. No. I don't. Do you remember that television interview with the psychic where we watched it together? Uh, the, The interviewer that's interviewing the psychic, this psychic was supposed to be able to look at someone's picture or hold an object, I guess like this guy, and kind of tell where they went or what happened to them. Yeah. So this interviewer brought a picture of a little girl that was probably like six or seven and said, this little girl has been missing. You know, for years, can you please help us? And the, you know, the psychic like looks at the picture and she's like, okay, I can, she is under, she's under rocks near, and some bullshit, you know, there's, <laughs> there's water and there's rocks. And I feel, I feel like though her soul's at peace. And then after the psychic went on like that for a few minutes, the one, the interviewer goes, this is my third grade picture uh-huh. or like first grade picture, whatever. And the, the psychic's like, what? It's like, yeah, this is me. I'm fine. I'm right here. I'm not buried. Um, I'm okay. And this, the psychic was just like, she was just kind of bum fuzzled and ended the end. like walked out of it. But yeah, it was, it was such a good gotcha. I mean, you've been exposed. Yep. I mean, you had a drink on the rocks last night, you know, I don't know. It's like, well, how, how could you recover? You couldn't say anything. No, you're just, that's you're dunked on. You're caught. You're done. Yeah. You just slowly get dunked. That's why she was just like, I don't, uh, uh, this interview is over and she was locked up. Yeah. I'd like to decline further comment. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Regardless, as far as Croisette was concerned, his job was done. He was certain the children were under the warehouse floor. And if authorities didn't want to dig it up, that was on them. Yeah, he did his job. I'm done. He located them. 100% accurate. That's a good gig if you can get it. (laughs) He probably made some money somehow in some way in that whole thing. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't he know. had to. I know right? he didn't charge anybody, but come on. He was on every TV in Australia for weeks. Oh, yeah, they paid him. Huge. To, yeah, that's how he made it. Yeah, that's right. He left Australia assured that he had completed the task he'd been asked to do. Yeah, there you go. It must be noted that some 30 years later, the warehouse floor was excavated, and there was no sign of the children. Shocker. <laughs> for what it's worth, Croisette refused any payment for his services, so at least there's that. Like I... So yeah, the kids have never been found. Not a sign, nothing. So yeah, because if you're a true psychic, you're winning the lottery all the time. So what do you need payment for? Yeah. Oh, you wait, you never hear of that. Never no. mind. Never mind. Well, they don't want to use their powers for personal. Gain. Oh sh- yeah, they're Jedi. <laughs> yeah, they really are. <laughs> don't make the apple float, Anakin, or you'll go to the dark side. Don't do it for fun. Yeah, right. See, that's, that's the type of thing. Yeah, if you're into the Jedi lore. <laughs> Sam, are you? You like Jedi's? You like yeah. Star Wars and stuff? Yeah. Me too. Me too. Joe, I have to say, and I am too, but <laughs> Joe's not into Star Wars. He's full fledged, 100% Trekkie, which I, I'm about 50% Trekkie, probably 51% Trekkie. Star Trek did it first and they did it better and they've done it longer. So anyway. It's more diplomatic, probably, <laughs> and more prime directive ish in 
but the lightsabers, man. I don't know. I just, I just always prefer. I never got into the. You know, my it's funny. My little niece was over the other day, and and uh, she was flipping through channels on our TV, and she hit on Star Wars, and my daughter was like, "Hey, leave it on there." And and she's only like seven, but she was like, "I never got into Star Wars. It's just a lot of pew 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 like that." <laughs> That's true. I know it's a lot more than that. It's, I'm it's sure. a space western. Yeah, I've seen a, a meme with uh, Princess Leia holding a blaster, and there's like little church pews coming out of it. Three of them. <laughs> pew pew pew. <laughs> Funny. It's, it's brilliant. I I I honest to God, I like space balls better than Star Wars. <laughs> space well, balls because you don't like Star Wars is one of the greatest movies. No, I do too. <laughs> yeah, it is a good movie. And I, I love Star Wars. and I love space balls. You said to comb the desert. We ain't found shit. I love it. Okay, so you want to get on to possible suspects? Sure. Let's do it. So, uh, as we covered in our previous episodes on the Wanda Beach murders, there was no shortage of suspects in the Beaumont children case as well. And the suspect list of the two cases actually share a few names, like Derek Percy is uh, interest in you know both of these cases. Um, <laughs> who we covered on the Wanda Beach murder series. So, let's talk about a few names that the two cases didn't have in common. The first one being... I think it's pronounced Bevan von Einem. Okay. This guy was sentenced to life in prison in 1984 for murdering 15-year-old Richard Kelvin, son of Adelaide newsreader Rob Kelvin. Police later uh, heard from an informant that von Einem had bragged about abducting three kids from a beach several years earlier, killing them and disposing their bodies in bushland south of Adelaide. That's a pretty good lead. Yeah. I mean, that's a confession. Yeah. (laughs) What's weird is though you'll find that a lot of these guys just confess it to whatever. Is so I I don't I want to have like a psychiatrist psychologist on here to to explain that. I I I don't really get it. I mean, I get the whole thing like it's it's cool and my life's boring and I want to I don't know, but I don't totally get it because you're risking I mean, there's some prosecutor just like, yeah, None of the data goes with that, but I can make it fit, you know? <laughs> yeah. Just to just to be have 100% or to increase their percentage of prosecutions. Mm-hmm. And tie another one up. So if well, it's some idiot, you could get them to confess, and then they don't really investigate much. Well, you know, you got like Henry Lee Lucas. Uh, I think there's a documentary on Netflix on him called The Confession Killer. Oh, I've seen that. I've never watched it. It's he was good. He was with Otis Tool when they did their whole uh, murder spree for a while um yeah it's good but henry lee lucas like he just he's confessed he would confess to to uh, killing abraham lincoln yeah or shooting him he confessed to everything like you show him a stack of of you know unsolved murders he's like did them all you know so it was just i don't get that man (laughs) yeah how are the hours in the day well with some of the serial killers i know there's some of them that they want obviously they want their numbers to be higher. They want it to add to their notoriety. Oh yeah, for sure. So yeah, if they're in there for ten murders or whatever, they'd say like, "There's twenty five more you don't know about," or however you know. It's kind of just a weird, yeah, source of. Uh, well, I mean, it's like it's. I mean, I guess I can understand it a little bit because it's like toy collecting. I mean, you want you you want to show a buddy like your the picture of your toys, and it's like, wow, there's a ton there, you know. <laughs> so it's probably. And if it goes to healthy things, which my wife would say it's not healthy, but if it goes to healthy things like toy collection, it would go to something unhealthy like serial killing. You know, yeah. you just want to have the most. Yeah. It's like pogs. You got to get them all. <laughs> <laughs> or I guess it's Pokemon. So Ted Bundy catch said. them all. Yeah. <laughs> got to kill them all. Got to kill them all. Yeah. I, I, same thing. That type of mentality. Yeah, totally. Totally. Yeah. Well, 
While police had no doubts that he was capable of such an act and suspected him in several other child murders in the area, Von Einem would have been barely 20 years old at the time of the Beaumont children abduction, and virtually every witness had stated that the mysterious man they seen with the kids was probably in his late 30s, if not early 40s. Okay. So the ages just don't really match. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Despite the discrepancy... Von Einem does vaguely resemble the artist's sketch of the Beaumont children abductor, and to this day he has not been excluded as a suspect. About the age thing, mm-hmm. some people, like, and I'm sorry to go back to this, but Richie Valens, mm-hmm. uh, that poor kid, I mean, he was 17 when he died. He looks 46 in all of his pictures. Yeah. No idea why. I mean, some people just look beyond their years i guess and eyewitness testimony is super weak i mean uh, we've talked about it a ton of times on here you can have a you know a sighting of what someone supposedly looked like and be like oh he was an overweight man in his 50s he had a red jacket and it's a blue jacket 20 year old you know (laughs) with with dark full head of hair right right it's eyewitness is just i don't know we're just not good at that we're just not um, and I think evolutionary, uh, to survive, I think we needed to be good in the moment of discerning something, but then there's no reason why we need to, to really remember it. I don't think there's, I can't think of any reason why you'd, you know, why that would trump the actual in the moment. So right. it's, it's like once it's all over and also if nothing significant, hap- significant is happening, like you just see some kids with a guy, I mean, is, is your recollection going to be like... You know, it's just like there's not enough reason for you to remember that. Yeah. Unless the guy threw a tantrum or cussed at one of the kids or something that caught your attention. Yeah. Just something odd. And it may be just the maybe, maybe it's a good eyewitness testimony. Maybe the guy with the kids raised some eyebrows and stuff. But um, I just don't, you know, anytime we talk about these cases, eyewitness testimony, we talked about them for years. It just seems like it just never, never really does as what you'd what you'd think, you know, it's just not, not solid enough for sure. Yeah. Here's a, a good example that just happened last night of you, of the, uh, un, uncertainty of eyewitness testimony. So last night it's just about getting dark and my wife and I are out in the front yard of our home and we're planting some roses. Okay. This SUV pulls up and windows roll down and there's a woman in there and she said, have, have either of you seen a couple of boys walking around? She's like, I haven't, my sons went out several hours ago and I can't find them. Wow. And she was fairly frantic. Oh, and I wow. was like, because every day, you know, I, I uh, my toddler gets in her little red wagon and we walk this loop around our neighborhood. And uh, I said, I just walked an hour ago and I saw two boys. They were walking right behind my house. I was like, they were like eight and six or so. And she's like, that would be them. Oh, wow. Which way were they walking? I said, that way. And then after she drove, and I said, you know, if you need any help, come back and we'll help walk or canvas the neighborhood. So she drove off. I didn't see her again. But uh, as soon as she drove off, my wife was like, you couldn't have seen him an hour ago because, you know, I just got home and you were inside and I got to thinking, I was like, it was literally like two and a half or three hours before. Oh, Oh, wow. So that right there immediately, like, that's how off it was. And that was a really important information for that woman. And I was like, oh my God, I hope she drives back. But I mean, that's probably relevant if you saw someone an hour ago or three hours ago, you know? I wonder if a really good investigator is like, yeah, this guy said that, but I bet it could be anywhere from this time. To, you know, exactly. I wonder if I wonder if they compensate. I bet they do. They, everyone gets good at their job, so I bet someone that's really good at that. It's like, well, don't take that 
It could have been any time in the whole afternoon. Yeah, because that's how terrible we are. Yeah, at we are details. Yeah, I mean, I'm I, maybe I'm just worse, but I was just like, oh, it's just the first thing. I was just like, I think it was about an hour ago. But I do that with everything. Yeah. I'm like, oh, that was the other day, and my wife will be like, that was two years ago. <laughs> I was like, oh, really? <laughs> so yeah, the other day when I graduated, <laughs> this weird thing happened. <laughs> so uh, Arthur Stanley Brown is the next guy, was charged with the murders of sisters Judith and Susan McKay in Townsville, Queensland in 1998. The girls disappeared on their way to school in August of 1970, and their strangled bodies were found in a dry creek bed several days later. He has long been a suspect of the Beaumont children's disappearance as well. However, there's no evidence to support it. He can't even be placed in Adelaide at the time. Even if he was there, he was 53 when the kids were abducted, placing him pretty far outside the suspected age of the abductor. Unless he was just a a Tom Cruise 53. Yeah. Delicious. And there's only one Tom Cruise 53, and that's Tom Cruise. That's it, baby. If Tom Cruise didn't abduct these kids, then I'm out. (laughs) I don't know what even that meant. I don't know. but Um, So... In 1975, this is another guy. I'm telling you, there's a lot of suspects, suspected people. Oh, yeah. In 1975, James Ryan O'Neill was jailed for life for the murder of a nine-year-old boy in Tasmania. It soon came to light that some years later, uh, I'm sorry, earlier, that's pretty important, O'Neill had confessed to several people that he had abducted and murdered the Beaumont children. It's like the third or fourth guy to confess to this. He uh, has convinced many that he is indeed responsible, and a documentary attempting to prove this was released in 2006. However, as far as South Australian police are concerned, they looked into his claims and subsequently discounted O'Neill as a suspect. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, so how many is that? That's three that we talked about already. Yes. And it's yeah. mainly just because they've committed other crimes that are somewhat similar. Yeah. Yeah. Which, I mean, that's... Probably super solid police work, obviously. Yeah. You just have to figure out if they if they if they're there during that time. And that's gonna be it's gonna be easier now. That's that's a good thing about cell phones always tracking you and stuff. I mean, um and you know, I'm fine with that. People are I mean, I, I don't know. I'm not fine with them listening to the convos, but I'm I'm almost fine with like you can know where I'm at. I mean, it's pretty boring. It's not gonna be that interesting. Yeah. He went from work to home, work from home. Oh, he went to podcasts. Then he went, oh, he went to, you know, Walmart. You know, I don't know. What am I doing where I'm worried about that? So I'm just saying that's a huge tool for the police. So, I mean, I would offer up that information. I'm sure we've already offered it up and we don't even know it. Uh, Edward Snowden, Snowden stuff. But, yeah. It is weird how they, they always, you ever been talking about something? And then you look at your phone. Mm-hmm. Like the other day I was talking about like like girls in G-strings oiled up twerking. And then all of a sudden it's on my phone and I'm like, what? He After just, you typed it in, it probably he just set you up, Ivan. All I had to do is just go to, it was weird. I'm like, what's this? And like 25 minutes later, I was like, I have Am to Am I talking about phone. that now? <laughs> Am I, seriously, that's what I was going to talk about in a, in a mini madness, but I'll talk about it now. Okay. Did you set me up for that? No, I was just trying to be stupid and what I, did I succeeded. Call, what did I call it? I called it a scenario or something in the, the text. Note. Oh wait, what are you? I in, in that text that I sent you guys the other day, I said I want to talk about something, and I named it something. I called it like the, the oh so, the Mikey likes it. Yeah, Mikey thing. likes it. So remember that cereal, Mikey I, likes it, it. Yeah, I forgot yeah. to bring this up, but yeah. Okay, no, wait, it's it's totally fine. Do this I'm, now? I'm glad. Yeah, let's okay. do it now. It won't take very long. It's not. It's not even that crazy. So you know, you're talking about them listening in, and and you and your wife are talking about buying a trampoline, and then all of a sudden you see ads for the trampoline. That is crazy. And I don't know for sure if that happens, but I think it probably does. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So 
imagine this. You have in this this go with me on this because it's going to sound crazy at first, uh, but it'll make sense. Imagine you have a snow cone stand and you have thirty one flavors. Okay. So you're the thirty one flavors, and it doesn't have to be thirty one, but I'll just say thirty one. You have thirty one flavors. A little Baskin Robbins here. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they have thirty one flavors, right? Yeah. So that's probably where I got the thirty one. So you have a long line of people. So what if you had a little like a little spy that could know uh, that could walk out and listen to people talking about the flavors and you could get all that conversation and, and somehow you could process it where you could hear someone saying, well, well, I, I like this kind, but I can't do it because there's too much sugar. So I always get this kind and, and that's the kind I always get. And, and then you kind of process that like, well, they prefer that, but they don't get it for whatever reason. Yeah. Like that's a data point. So if you had countless conversations like man and wife in the car, and, and back to the, I, before I get rid of the snow cone stand scenario. So if you had that in your business, you could say, well, we just need to go into R&D, research and development, and we need to figure out how to, you know, bump the sugar down on that. And then we'll probably get some more people. Because if a lot of people are saying that and you don't know it, they just come up and make their order and leave. So you never have that data, right? Right, right. So what I'm saying is, if you can hear all these conversations, you could hear a fa- you could hear you know, 30% of consumers saying, you know, I really want to take a cruise, but, you know, it looks like it's going to be September before we go. Like you could, you could, your company could be ready for that. And any other company could invest in that. Any other, any other, like, you know, Apple, they invest in stuff. Amazon invests in other things. Like you could have all that information being processed by a computer piped in and, and, and giving you reports like, there's going to be a huge trend in three months on this thing because yeah. we've got it from all these recordings and these cell phones like we're doing right now. We're straight to Discord. I know, right? But anyway, uh, but what I'm saying is that's even more huge than the trampoline ad. That's like that's like consumer trends. Yeah. And that is huge. Like they, they, do, they do surveys all the time where you like play Facebook games and like you do, you get enough points and that all that data goes to the company and they pay money for that. That's worth a lot of money. But just if they're getting that off your phone for free, any conversation, and, and I know you're thinking somebody has to listen and notate it. A, a voice recognition and computers can, they're already doing that. Aren't they just set up to key on certain words? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. You know, combination of words. So yeah. if our phones are listening to everything, the companies that have the processing and the computing power to capitalize on that, to me, that's kind of scary because it's a huge unfair advantage to any competitor that doesn't have that processing power. And I think that just makes the rich richer. If that happens, I'm, that's kind of a conspiracy theory that I'm spewing out. Like like but I was thinking about that when I was walking the other day. It's like, man, that could not, you. it wouldn't matter how novel your new product was if you were a little guy. If you don't have that data and they do, you'd never go anywhere. Because most people aren't honest unless they're talking to their own family and friends. Yeah, And true. you have that. You have that. That data, isn't that crazy that yeah. that could exist? And I don't know. It, it, that's just, you know, the trampoline thing's one thing, but but consumer thoughts. Yeah. Unfiltered. Yeah, no, it's crazy. It's crazy. With entertainment as well, you know? Yeah. Like, I'm tired of this type of movie. You know, a lot of, most people say that. And if a lot of people say that, then it goes into, you know, all the people making this stuff. It's like, well, let's not go there anymore. Let's go here. This is where people are, you know, this is what the buzz is. Or yeah. You know, <laughs> All they're going to hear, like, if they're listening on my phone, just like when I'm driving down the road, they're just going to hear me just being like, I'm the wanderer. Yeah, I'm the wanderer. I wander round around. Hey, move, asshole. Move. It's green. It's not going to get any greener. 
God, th- what's this? Shit. Oh, okay. That's all they're going to hear is just that rambling. And then I'll do some kind of crazy accent and yell at somebody. And- but I would imagine 30 minutes of your randomness <laughs> could be processed and a, a computer could figure out your marketing trends, what, what should be marketed. So he likes- and you'll, and you'll, put it, you'll be put in a group. That's what Facebook, that's, um, Facebook makes money off of you, that you're the data point. You Sub- know? Subject Joe enjoys listening to Dion and the Belmonts, and he's an aggressive driver. Let's, yeah. let's build on that. That's two data points. Yeah. Oh, he's fascinated by flatulence as well. Okay, three data points. Yeah. What can we build from that? Yeah. There's, uh, a, really, there's a good documentary on Netflix. Uh, the, the phone, what's it called? It's called, um, it's about the whole social media trend and all that. And oh, the social dilemma. The social dilemma. Yeah. Dude, everyone watch that and it will scare you. Uh, you'll be scared of your own phone for like a month. Yeah, I kind of already am. Yes, well, I don't too. know. I think you probably scared off whoever's listening with that seven-second fart. So, <laughs> <laughs> Woo. That was some... You've heard that, a white noise. That was brown noise. Brown noise. That or they threw a gas X ad on your... You know. <laughs> of course, Joe doesn't have social media, so none of that pops up on his nope, you know, feed. I have nothing, buddy. I am clean. He's blocked You're good. But my, speaking of like... Okay... My daughter, just to prove, she I took her home from school sick yesterday, right? She said she's throwing up at school. I took her home on the way home. I'm like, you really better be sick. You know you always say that to your kid. Yeah. You have missed too much school. You better be sick. I get back to work, and like 15 minutes later, girl films herself barfing. I get a little, me- I get a message, and it's a video, <laughs> and it's the side of her face, and I'm like, what? I press play, and it's like, <laughs> like for like 10 seconds, and then it stops, and I'm like, <laughs> you know? So I made it peak there. So she's like, see? I, I texted her and I was like, what in God's name? And she was like, just to prove. And I was like, you are kind of diabolical. You're it, just- <laughs> I mentioned it early, but she kind of dunked on you a little bit. She dunked on you. <laughs> she did. She did. I was like, you don't have to do your chores tonight. Just stay in bed. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Girl got me, yeah. Yeah. Now, she, But if she's smart, she would have saved that video, not shown me, and then faked sick another day, and oh. then send it to show, right? Lexi, if you do that, just remember the shirt you had on. Yeah. That's all you got to do, and put that shirt back on. You know what shirt she was wearing? Ice Cube. Oh, yeah? Nice. That's she, cool. She found it. She showed up at the house. She found it at her mom's, and this really oversized shirt with Ice Cube, and he's like doing a gang sign, leaning on like a 63 Impala. And I'm like, Lexi, do you know what shirt you have on? And she's like, not really, you know. <laughs> it's just so funny because it's obviously someone she'd never even heard of in her life, but she's walking around wearing the shirt. Yeah, that's awesome. That's um, Yeah, that's cool. It's like old school and cool, and she didn't even know it. I guess. Like she the, probably knew it was old school cool. She used to know who, what it was. It's like the kids you see, like there's a video of a, a guy get, that goes up, like these girls in the mall that have Nirvana shirts on. Mm-hmm. And they're like, what's your favorite Nirvana song? And they're like, what? Yeah. Like they literally Black Hole Son. <laughs> huh. I'd be impressed if they could even name the Soundgarden song. Well, that's true. Yeah, but yeah, it's just kind of calling them on it. But so, um, this is another guy. This is a really interesting dude. This is a suspect too. Harry Phipps owned a factory in Adelaide and was a member of the social elite in the 1960s. However, he would later be alleged to be a pedophile and was accused to be the Beaumont children abductor by none other than his own son, Haddon. I think it's Hayden or Hayden. I'll say Hayden, who was 15 at the time of the incident. Mm. Hayden claimed that he saw the children in his father's yard that day. One interesting thing could possibly verify Hayden's claims is that Harry Phipps did resemble the identikit drawing of the abductor. Also, Phipps, who was fairly wealthy, often handed out one pound notes to people and presumably children. And the Beaumont children abductor had allegedly given them a one pound note that day. Wow. 
Also, two teenagers came forward to say that on the weekend following the abduction, Phipps had paid them to dig a hole in his factory yard but would not tell them why. In November of 2013, a large portion of factory previously owned by Phipps was excavated, but no evidence was found. And then again, in 2018, another portion of the factory was excavated in a dig funded by an Adelaide television station, but this too failed to uncover any evidence. Wow, still working at it. That's that's cool. Yes. They are still following active leads to this day. Wow. The kid said the dad did it, right? Is that what you said? Yes, yes. Yeah. I just wonder if he... It, took something the equivalent of his PlayStation away. And then he's like, oh, I'll get you. <laughs> I want to accuse you of murdering the Beaumont children. Yeah. I don't know what you take. What would he take then? The 60s? Uh, took his BB gun? I don't know. His I'm Red sure. Rider BB gun? I should know 60s toys. He took his... Uh, his Jacks. Took his Mego We're Playing cars. Jacks down by the soda fountain. Yeah. No, I don't know. It's 15, though. We're doing the 60s. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. He took his Buddy Holly records. Oh, hey, there we go. Tiny piece. It's devil's music. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. We're on to something here. Music like we that. We just have no you know. evidence. <laughs> I still think we're doing better than the psychic. Yeah, of course we are. Because it's logical. <laughs> One case that many believe, this is now a possibly linked case. Pretty interesting that I wanted to add. Um, a case that many have long since believed to be linked to the Beaumont children is the disappearance of 11-year-old Joanne Ratcliffe and four-year-old Kirsty, I believe, Gordon. The girls disappeared from the Adelaide Oval during a football match in 1973 and are presumed to have been abducted and murdered. The girls had left their group to go to the restroom but never returned. For roughly the next hour and a half, the girls were seen with an unknown man and they appeared to be in some form of distress. After these sightings, they were never seen again. The police sketch of the suspect resembles that of the man last seen with the Beaumont children, and many believe the same man is responsible for both crimes. And of course, as we discussed in our Wanda Murders series, many believe the Beaumont children abducted could be the same person responsible for the murders of Marianne Schmidt and Christine Sherrick a year before. Isn't that weird, the guilt of those people that made that report? I mean, they probably wish... I should have just went up and said, hey, is there anything I can help you, you know, or what's wrong or anything. Uh, yeah. But that's, as humans, we struggle with that. I struggle with that when you see something out in public like that. Like, do you intervene? You know. Yeah, it's That's weird. what the show, What Would You Do? I think uh, tabloid shows are awesome. That's not really a tabloid show, but, you know, it's tied to 2020, which I like. I think it's tied to 2020. It's like an offshoot uh, uh John Canone, Canones or whatever. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. The What Would You Do show. I, th I think that's really well done. I, I don't know how much of it's a put on. You never know because it's like reality TV, but, you know, they have the actors do something and they see what the people would do. Um, that, that's, uh, that show strengthens my faith in humanity sometimes. But, you know, they had to cut out a lot of people that didn't, didn't do anything. <laughs> you know you had, they had to. Because yeah, yeah. they they got to sign the release that says they'll be on TV. Yeah, true. So, and sometimes they'll blur their face. Yeah. Yeah. I guess anyway. those were the people that didn't sign the release. Yeah. Or they didn't do anything or it's nothing interesting. Yeah. It's like, well, he didn't do anything. He just filmed it. What's what's going on? <laughs> he filmed it and he posted it on his TikTok. You know. Is that a hero? No, it's not. It's, it's a jerk. Like you said, it's weird. Like anyone with a toddler is known. Like, you know, if they are having a meltdown, like there's been times where like, let's say we're inside a store. There's been a couple of times. And my toddler just totally had a meltdown. She was over it. 
And I just, you know, I would just tell my wife, you get the last few things, I'll take her to the car and, you know, try to listen to music or something. But, you know, as you're carrying the toddler out of the store, she's like, ah, no, 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 you know, screaming bloody murder. That's happened a couple times to every mm-hmm. parent. Yeah. And as you're walking through the parking, you're walking through the parking lot. I'm a grown ass man clutching a little baby girl who's screaming, no, no, no. <laughs> that is not a good look. That's not a good look. Like technically anyone who sees me should tackle me until I can like prove that I'm the parent by some That's form right. of identification. You know what I mean? But everyone's just like, oh yeah, my kid did that once. Or, you know, it's. That's why some of these people can literally get away with with this shit right under everyone's noses. That's true. Yeah. Because you don't want to be wrong. You don't want to be mistaken. Yeah. Because then you could get sued or whatever, too. Oh, yeah. think about stuff like that. Yeah. It's just, it's nuts, isn't it? Yeah, it is nuts. Yeah. That's that's pretty bad for you, really. I mean, the the female-male thing, you know, that's, yeah. That's messed up. I never yeah. thought about that. What before. was that commercial where the kid was dry? Uh, they were, she was riding in the back of the car and she had written like, please help me and put it up in the window as they were driving. I don't, did you see that? <laughs> no. <laughs> anyway, she was because she was pissed, pissed at her parents. Oh, that's funny. That's funny. <laughs> I like that. Okay. So th- this, this is really, really, really messed up. Something that as if Jim and Nancy Beaumont had not been through enough. Okay. About two years after the disappearance, the Beaumonts received two letters in the mail. Okay. Mm. Wow. One was from an unnamed man who claimed he'd been taking care of the kids, and the second was supposedly from Jane herself. I think she was the nine-year-old. Jane's letter was compared to previous she had been known to write, and it was felt that it was probably authentic. Although I the whole handwriting comparison thing. Yeah, that that's a junk science thing not always but i think it i think that's kind of considered to fall under that junk science yeah largely uh how many years difference did you say two years two years from yeah. when they disappeared i mean logic i mean just like common sense wise you would think that it would have similar character or similar ways she forms the stuff but but is that just a junk science thing that i'm thinking i don't know i don't know either that's interesting it's worth men- mentioning for sure well they felt it was Authentic at the time, uh, Jane's, and then the letter that the man wrote, uh, claiming that he he claimed that he was willing to hand the children back over to the parents, and even named a time and meeting place for the exchange. Wow! So obviously, Jim and Nancy are like over the moon, probably cautiously optimistic, but still over the moon, like anybody would be. Yeah, for sure. So they go. They bring a disguised detective along. They don't have a they don't have a ringer, do they? You know, you remember the bag from Lebowski? Oh yeah, it's a ringer. ringer. It's my underwear. <laughs> yeah. No, take take the money in this in this case. <laughs> don't take a ringer. Well, the guy didn't even ask for money. Is what's weird. Oh really? No, he just said, "Y'all yeah, give him back." Oh. Meet me here. Oh, I mis- I guess I just assumed. Well, you would, yeah, because ne- literally, that's never anyone has never not asked for money. So it was very strange. My mistake here. I'll give him back. <laughs> well, they go, they wait forever. No one ever showed up. Oh, man. Uh, sometime later, a third letter arrived from the unknown man stating that he did show up at the meeting place, but had spotted that disguised detective and bailed. That's what he claimed. Wow. Nearly 25 years would pass before a proper forensic analysis of the letter could be performed. In 1992, the letters were linked to a 41-year-old man who was a teenager at the time of the disappearance and had written the letters as a joke. Wow. Because of the time that had elapsed, he did not face any charges. Man, what an hilarious prank. 
Right. Yeah. Let's just crush these poor parents whose three kids have disappeared. Yeah. It'll be a riot. It's a knee slapper. Oh my God. I think his, I think he should have at least done this. We will tie your hands behind your back and give Jim Beaumont five minutes alone in a room with you. Right. (laughs) And if he wants to be a gentleman and not do anything, but if he wants to punch your lights out, you know, he can do whatever. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. I I can't believe that. Uh, the missing Beaumont children case is one of the largest police investigations in Australia's history. Even now, some 55 years later, the case remains open and new leads are occasionally reported and followed by police. There is currently a $1 million reward for information leading to the children's disappearance. Over 10,000 leads have been pursued relating to the case. Although Nancy and Jim received widespread sympathy from the public, they grew tired of the constant attention. That, coupled with the unimaginable heartache of losing their children, resulted in their divorce several years later. Nancy passed away in Adelaide on September 16th, 2019. And uh, at the age of 92, never knowing what happened to her kids. As far as I can tell, Jim is in his 90s and is still alive and living in Adelaide. Huh. Wow. Wow. Yep. So, so the children. So it's crazy that they were even looking into that. What was that? The year you were saying? The 2000 what? They did uh, excavations of that factory in 2013 and 2018. I mean, it was kids, so it just carried on longer. Just, you know, the anguish. Oh, yeah. Behind. Yeah, that every time you tell a story about, and you did it uh, a couple weeks ago too, where the person has to die and never know. I mean, we're, we'll probably never know either, but you know, that's just that's rough. Oh yeah, especially the lady that spent all the time trying to mm-hmm. prove that her husband wasn't, he didn't commit suicide. Oh, Ted Losef, yeah, yeah, yeah. The his mother, yeah, spent her entire life. I don't know what I'm trying to say about it, but it's just in, incredibly heart wrenching. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. For just sure. yeah, not really having closure. Sure. Yeah. You just have to live your whole life. You know, I don't know. Well, like I said, the maybe the seed that planted my entire obsession with this type of stuff was my family member who vanished yeah. in ninety seven, I believe, and he's never been found. Is you know, is that he will never be found. That we What's just crazy know. about that one, Sam, I think we've talked about it before and you might have heard the episode, but Joe basically said he wouldn't touch that because it's just too close. And yes, there yeah. Are people... I think you've even mentioned that here. Yeah, like that we would never touch that as a as a topic. subject. No, mm-hmm. I have no desire to dig up that. Mm-hmm. You know, no, I no. get it. So anyway, yeah, that's the missing Beaumont children. Anyone with information relating to the location of the Beaumont What's that children? Mysteries number Ivan one eight hundred. I know you know it. I just remember the 5353 part. Is it 8765353? Anyone with information? I don't have a a location or a number. Donamantis.com or tweet at us at Donamantis. Dial 1 800. Don't publicly tweet it though. Australia. Message us. Yes. Behind the scenes. Yes. Or get on Patreon, become a patron, and then send a message about it. Yeah. And to our Aussie listeners, which I've been looking at the analytics, we've got you. I see you in Australia. I'm sorry. I see you in Sydney. I see you in Perth. Um, We're glad to have you. We apologize for our accents, and uh, that's all I can say. Yeah. It's all good-hearted fun. <laughs> you try you try to record yourself doing one of our redneck accents, <laughs> see if it turns out pretty good. <laughs> and we are, uh, I, I've always wanted to go to Australia. Always. Yeah, me always, too. Always, always, I will too. at some point in my life. Yeah. Okay, is that all for this time? That's all. We love you all. Good night. Thank you for listening to us. Like again. and subscribe. See ya.